Well, I want to begin with a lie. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. And well-meaning parents have told their children those words for years, for good reason. And yet you and I all know that those words are not true, don't we? Uh, the words that we speak, the words that we hear, they can be so powerful. Does the jury find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Will you marry me? I now pronounce you husband and wife. Those are words that make a difference, aren't they? Words can heal and words can harm. All of us here this evening can remember words said to us and words said by us and words we heard others say to loved ones that have done great damage. Words can cut and when those words cut, they often leave scars, and those scars often last for decades, don't, you, don't they? Now, the Bible speaks so often about the power of the tongue. Jesus, Paul, James all do it. James, of course, famously compares it to uh, three small things, the bit in the mouth of a horse, the rudder on a, on a boat, a spark that causes a great fire, three small things that are yet so powerful. And James says in chapter 3, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. A person's words, they can be so revealing, can't they? And the book of Proverbs is full of words. It is all about navigating life in God's world. It's all about living skillfully in all the kind of different conditions that we find ourselves in each day. And so it's no surprise that this book has lots to say about our words. Just listen to three examples, not in our passage. Listen to this. Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Or Proverbs 16, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Or here's my favorite, Proverbs 27, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Words can heal. Words can harm. Words can be wise. Words can be foolish. And I think our passage highlights this. If you look at the very last verse of our reading, uh, you can see it, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to think about those two types of words, if you like, words of death and words of life. And uh, we're going to spend longer on the former, words of death, and as we do, I hope we'll hear the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Good Shepherd, calling us away from words that can damage us. Now, maybe when I um, read or was about to read that passage, I said, didn't I, that it was uh, a lot about words. There's so much in this uh, reading. I'm not going to try and cover uh, everything this evening. But here's our first heading, looking at verses 1 to 14, kind of in, in the broad. Words of death, words of death. 
And I want to highlight three things about words of death that we see in this, this passage, these verses. The first is this, look at where these words lead, verses 1 to 7. Look at where they lead. When a person speaks words of death, where do they end up? And it's often said, isn't it, that um, actions have consequences. Proverbs teaches us, so do words. And I think we see this just as if we look at the way the chapter begins. The picture here is of someone who has alienated themselves from others. They're isolated, verse 1. And why has that happened? Well, they've broken out. Literally, they've, they've quarreled against sound judgment. This is a person, verse 2, who delights in expressing their opinions. Now, speaking our mind, it can be a really good trait, can't it? Um, our speech should be straightforward. What did Jesus say? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else comes from the evil one. And yet Proverbs is teaching us that the wise person knows there is a time to speak and there is a time to be silent. And if we're a person who keeps on venting, keeps on quarreling, if we're the kind of person that can start a fight in an empty room, then Proverbs says eventually that is exactly where we will end up, isolated. And this is so tragic you and I were made for relationships, aren't we? This is one of the things it means to be a human being. It's how God has made us. But the picture here, the warning here, is that you and I can speak in such a way that we end up dehumanized. We end up alone. Whoever isolates himself, whoever expresses just his own opinions, And so tonight, here's a little warning for us. Here's a few questions for us. Do our words create a shield around us that no one can penetrate? Or do our words invite people in? Our words can isolate us. I think there's another side to this, though. If you look at verses 6 and 7, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but verses 6 and 7, I think we see another illustration of where foolish words lead. And the imagery in verse 6 is really amazing, isn't it? Proverbs is so vivid. Here is someone who talks himself into a fight, a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. I wonder, as you look at those verses, can you see the kind of progression, the escalation, we might say? Um, I began with a lie. Here's a, a confession. Uh, one of the commentators, Bruce Waltke, he helped me see this. If you look at verses 6 and 7, can you see the four stages, or listen as I, I give them to you, verses 6 and 7, there is controversy. That's the first half of verse 6. There is reference to beatings, the second half of verse 6. There is terror, that's the original word used instead of ruin in the first half of verse 7. And then a snared soul, literally death, the second half of verse 7. There's an escalation, controversy, 
beatings, terror, death. This is something that could have stopped Proverbs is saying. And this is something that happens all the time, isn't it? Words can run away from us. Words can flow out of our mouths and situations just get worse and worse. I was in London this last week and on my train uh, back, Kieran Kelleher and I, we were um, coming back, we were on the two o'clock train. As we arrived in King's Cross, we heard the announcement that there was trouble on the East Coast main line. And so there was going to be all kinds of people and all kinds of uh, trains crammed into the two o'clock train. And there was great confusion uh, on the carriage that I was on as to whether we were to sit in our reserved seats. Uh, those who were on the two o'clock train originally, like me, we were explicitly told we were to sit in the seats that we had paid for. And yet two people heard that announcement and thought the announcer said different things. And the situation, in a very kind of British way, just gently kind of escalated. And eventually the person who was right just kind of backed down. It so often happens, doesn't it? In an argument, people double down on their position. And people know the other person is right. And sometimes when that happens, when tempers are raised, when voices, when words just run away from us, as I said, someone has to step in and say, I think you've said enough. So isolation, escalation. I think these two ideas are kind of warning to us tonight. Don't think your words can't lead to that. Never underestimate the power of the tongue. Look where foolish words lead. Second, as we think of these words of death, look how they taste. Look how they taste, verses 8 to 12. Proverbs teaches us that we love to eat what is bad for us. And even when we know where foolish words lead, we often indulge in them. And the language of indulgence is helpful. Foolish words, they're like, they're like certain types of food. See this in verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down, the writer says, into the inner parts of the body. Whisperer is a grumbler. Grumbling is something God speaks against so often in his word, isn't it? It should be said grumbling is different from a person expressing a, a genuine concern to someone else or to God. But Proverbs says that grumbling can get our stomachs rumbling. When you and I, when we hear someone grumbling, it can be very, very appealing, can't it, to listen in to indulge in that, to encourage that, to enjoy that. And see, look how these kind of words are described. They're, they're like delicious morsels. They're the kind of thing you and I love to eat lots of. I don't know what you think about when you hear that. I love mini eggs, and I don't eat mini eggs individually. 
Like, why would you? Mini eggs, things like that, you can't live off them, can you? You eat too many of them, they'll do damage to you. And listening to grumbling words, whispered words, it's like that proverb says, we say, what's the gossip? And then we hear it, don't we? And we say, hmm. And what we don't realize is it's terrible for us. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. I think that's pointing at the fact that we kind of become like that. I mentioned uh, Bruce Waltke. This is a great uh, little uh, turn of phrase from him, or, or idea rather. He says, gossip is contagious. And when we hear it, we need to put it into quarantine. Now again, hear me, this is not, it's not an excuse to ignore difficulties. Sometimes conversations have to be had. Sometimes problems have to be addressed. But we also need to recognize this evening what the, the damage that grumbling can do. We love it, don't we? The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. Now look at verses 10 to 11. I think there's a, a bit of a connection here between foolish words and these verses. The words of a grumbler are kind of unreal, fake words. Maybe in a grumble there's a, there's a grain of truth, and yet so often a grumble is just surrounded by all kinds of lies, isn't it? By what's fake. And that difference between what's real and what's fake, can you see the same kind of thing in verses 10 and 11? Name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. The contrast here again between the wise, the foolish person. And look at the fool's sense of security. The wise person thinks that, sorry, the foolish person thinks that money brings him security. But that is just a figment of their imagination. In contrast, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So as we think of these uh, words of death, where they lead, how they taste, third, how they sound, how they sound. How do foolish words sound? Well, listen to verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears... It is his folly and shame. One gives an answer before he hears. It is his folly and shame. So like James, isn't it? Everyone who should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We've all done the opposite, haven't we? We've all been in situations where someone has been talking. And you and I, we've not really been listening to them. We've just been thinking about what we're going to say next. And these verses teach us that we are fools if we speak before we listen. They remind us God gave us two ears, one mouth, for a reason. Grumbling is wrong and interrupting is wrong. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. Something really ugly about interrupting, isn't there? There's something horrible about it, actually. The interviewer who just asks a question again and again doesn't give time for a response. The person who just stops you 
when you're trying to explain something carefully. See, when we do that, what are we we saying? We're, We're saying, my words are more important than your words. I am more important than you. Something really ugly about that, isn't there? Proverbs wants to save us from that kind of death speech. And I wonder if there's an application for those of us who are younger here. We've talked a lot in Proverbs about the kind of father-son dynamic. I'm a young man listening to an older man. And I think we can extend that. Our culture today idolizes youth. It idolizes the now. But all of us need to listen to those who are older. God has blessed us in this church. There are people in our church family who have seen it all before. And you and I, those of us who are younger, we need their wisdom. We need their words. We need to to let them speak. We need to hear their voice without interrupting. If anyone gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And when I trained as a teacher, one of the things that my, my course f- focused on, they talked a lot about, was this whole idea of hidden history. And this is the idea that there, there are stories that, that don't normally get told in, in, when history is taught. There are accounts of the past. There are voices from the past that are so often ignored. And yet in the school year when uh, exams are around the corner, it can be really hard to make time for these kind of things. And yet they still matter. They still deserve to be heard, hidden histories. And the same is true in a church family. You and I were brothers and sisters. And yet brothers and sisters should be on speaking terms, shouldn't they? When people in a church family are not on speaking terms, that happens so often, doesn't it? It's tragic. And you and I, we need to hear one another's voices. Is there a Christian tonight you've stopped listening to? Is there a Christian you kind of interrupt or or talk over or dismiss as less important than you, whose words whose heart is not that important to you. Proverbs would tell you that is wrong. And that kind of behavior towards another person, it can actually cause the kind of damage we see in verse 14. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Not listening to someone or or speaking harshly against someone, it can crush a person's spirit. Psychiatrists, they've, they've said for a long time, haven't they, verbal abuse. Verbal abuse can have a profound impact on a person. There might not be physical scars, there might not be physical bruises, but they can be right there just under the surface, can't they? Words can be weapons. Words can be deadly. And so tonight, see where they lead, see how they taste, see how they sound. They're ugly. And here's my prayer, I think, for us. Pray that God would set a guard over our lips. 
See, to not be heard, it's the opposite of how God treats us, isn't it? He listens to our cries. He, he hears our voice. He is the, the shepherd who calls his own by name. We respond to him with words of trust. Well, I'm drifting, starting to drift into my second point. In this passage, we don't just see words of death. We see words of life. Words of life, verses 15 to 21. Words of death, verses 1 to 14. And now words of life, verses 15 to 21. Foolish speech, I said earlier on, it, it dehumanizes us, doesn't it? The, and, and yet the opposite is true. When we speak well, when we choose our words carefully, when a person becomes a Christian and their speech starts to change, however slowly... What's happening to that person is they are becoming more fully human. Uh, they're learning to speak the way God speaks. They're being conformed to his image. And how does God speak? What happens when he speaks to us? When God speaks, he brings life, he brings joy. God's words to us are really the main way he shows his love for us. And our words are to be like that. And more briefly, I want to just pick out three aspects of, of wise speech. Proverbs is full of all kinds of examples of this. We'll see some more of that when we look at friendships soon. But the first thing I want you to see is where they start. Where do wise words start? How do you and I become wise speakers? And we've touched on this already, but I'm not going to apologize. If you're like me, you need to hear this uh, twice. Verse 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. I wonder if you look at that verse 15, verse 15 if you can see the contrast with verse 6. In verse 6, the picture is of a man kind of walking through life lips first just kind of waiting for a, a beating. And the picture in verse 15, it's different, isn't it? It's, it's of someone walking through life with their ear open. You know, dogs sniff, don't they? Dogs get their noses out and sniff. Now, you and I should be like that, but with our ears. We should have our eyes open. Wise people seek knowledge, they acquire it. And people who have something to say, something worth listening to, they, they tend to be those who have listened carefully to others, don't they? Where they start. Secondly, what they seek. What do wise words seek? There's lots of examples of wise words in Proverbs, as I've said. I just want to pick out one thing. Wise words uncover the truth. Wise words uncover the truth. If you look at verse 16... And following, maybe you can see there's kind of conflict resolution language going on. There's opponents mentioned in, in verse 8, contenders. There's clearly some kind of offense in verse 18. There's a, there's a kind of courtroom scene in verses 16 and 17. Person brings a gift, and the commentators suggest that what's in view here is someone who is kind of trying to buy the verdict that they want. They bring a gift to a man in authority to try and get him to do what they want. They want him to turn a blind eye. This kind of thing happens all the time, doesn't it? 
the kind of behavior that makes you and I question if there's justice in the world. But look at verse 17. Here's an example of speech that uncovers the truth. Verse 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. One who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. This happens all the time too, doesn't it? Cross-examination. I think of, I don't know, John Grisham, uh, his books or his films, whatever you prefer. One character is, is in the courtroom. They, they give their account. We, we're all believing him. And then the lawyer stands up and just starts to ask questions. And the story unravels, the book, the film, it has a totally different ending, doesn't it? Now, I'm not suggesting that you and I, we kind of do verse 17 in, in everyday conversations. We, we wait for someone to speak, then we, we kind of examine them. But I think what this is pointing to, it reminds us to seek the truth. It reminds us not to be afraid to ask questions to get to the truth. And wise words do that. And why is truth so important? Because that's what Jesus spoke. In fact, that's what Jesus was, the way, the truth, the life. John tells us he was full of grace and truth. Jesus says the devil is the father of lies. Wise speakers, they, they seek, they try to uncover, they ask questions to get to the truth. Now, it's really important to say that in the, in the realm of what we could call Christian ethics, there's, there's a difference between kind of outright lying and being discerning. Uh, to use a famous example, the, the German citizen who is asked by the Nazi officer, are you hiding Jewish people in your house, should not torture himself, should not get his conscience in knots about whether he should say yes or no. There is only one faithful answer to that question, isn't there? And sometimes you and I, we don't need to say everything in a situation. There's a time to be silent. There's a, there's a time to say just a few words. Chapter 17, verse 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. But wise speakers don't flatter. They don't lie. They don't dodge or deceive. They speak. They seek the truth. So where they start, what they seek, lastly, how they satisfy. How do wise words, how, why, how do words of life satisfy? Well, just look at verse 20 and 21. There's so much here, isn't there? There's so much. We could have, I don't know, three or four sermons on this whole passage. There's so much in it. But can you see the word that words are described again, verse 20 and 21, as fruit or fruits? What I think this is pointing to is that the foolish person will speak in such a way that he is pleased with himself or herself. He will be, she will be self-satisfied. And yet the wise person 
will search for just the right words in a situation. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Verse 20, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. This is showing us, this is telling us that the wise person's words will bless others. Sometimes we hear examples of this, don't we? A, a person gives a speech, and afterwards everyone says, that was so fitting, what you said in this situation. And so tonight, friends, do you love to use words well? Do you try and, and deploy them or, or speak them to people in a way that will bring blessing into their lives? Proverbs teaches us that is a good thing to do in this world, so full of, of lies, so full of spin. And so tonight, friends, let's take great care with the words that we use. Let's be very careful with them at home, at church, at work. Let's recognize the impact they can have on other people. And let's remember Jesus. Let's remember Jesus, the wise teacher. As, he, as a child, Jesus, he grew in wisdom and he surprised all those around him, didn't he? They were astonished at his teaching. And in Matthew chapter 13, he's in his hometown. People say, where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers? And yet, as Jesus speaks, lots of people hate his words, don't they? they? They listen to Jesus, and they leave him. And when they do, what does Jesus ask his disciples? They, 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 he asks them, will you leave too? What did Simon Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, in his first letter, in First Peter, that man, that same man who, now remember, denied Jesus with his words, who let Jesus down with his words, he says that despite all of that, what has God given every Christian? God has given every one of us his very great and precious promises. And so tonight, as we, if we're very conscious of failure in this area, as we struggle with our speech, as we've said things that we regret, you and I need to remember those promises. We need to remember the words that Jesus has said to us in the gospel, come unto me and rest. Behold, I freely give. I am this dark world's light. I love you. I forgive you. Well, let's pray together.